All right, today I'm here talking with Tony Cookson, the Associate Professor of Finance at Leeds School of Business. Thank you for coming in today, Tony. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so um, recently you did a study on the effect of bank deserts and the exposure to financial institutions at a young age and how it affects uh, financial stability later in life. Um, so first question I would probably have would be, how would you personally define a bank desert? Uh, so, you know, a bank desert is uh, really just living in an area that doesn't have banking services. Um, you know, I think there are official maps out there, um, but the um, essentially what what ends up happening is if you're sort of if you kind of grow up in a bank desert or if you you live in a bank desert, um, you only have access to financial services through uh, what we call fringe financing in the literature. So things like payday lenders uh, and and whatnot. And it's sort of hard to deposit your money. Um, sort of it, it's hard to save. Um, hard to really build a, a credit uh, credit history, which is important for outcomes later in life. All right. What inspired you to originally look into this um, issue? Uh, so I've been doing research on Native American reservations uh, since about 2006 in my master's thesis. Uh, and you know these uh, reservations have kind of a variety of uh, sort of economic and social issues that they face. Uh, but one of the most first order issues that they face is lack of banking and access to banking services. Um, this was singled out in some congressional testimony, and it was it was always been kind of one of my uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, explore about uh, about reservations is that if, if you sort of grew up in one of these that was more bank impoverished than, than other reservations, uh, did, did it actually affect outcomes later on in life? All right. Uh, what was your methodology for this um, research? Uh, yeah, so what we did is we, uh, we started with uh, a little bit of uh, legal history uh, that, uh, that affected some reservations but not others. Uh, and it was this congressional uh, law that, uh, for historical reasons, only affected about uh, 25 to 30 percent of reservations. Uh, but what it essentially did is it affected uh, which, uh, which, where where contracts could be heard, and this this then affected whether banks found it um, uh, profitable to operate operate in some reservations uh, versus others. Uh, so that that was kind of we we actually did that in a, an earlier study, um, but we sort of used that sort of difference across reservations as uh, a way to say, okay, look here, are some reservations where people who grew up there grew up without access to financial institutions, and other reservations where they they grew up relatively uh, with more uh, with more local banks. Uh, we we then uh, used this data set that the uh, New York Federal Reserve uh, has uh, has sort of put together called the uh, Consumer Credit Panel, which has credit histories for a five percent sample of uh, of people who live in the United States, and importantly, we could map it to uh, these uh, reservations and and follow people over time uh, as they uh, as they started. Uh, developing their credit histories. And so, first time we observed someone at age 18, uh, they were in one of these bank deserts. Uh, we would kind of say that they grew up without finance. They were on a reservation that wasn't a bank desert. We would 
say that they didn't grow up without finance, and, and we kind of trace their outcomes from there. All right. So um, did you track them over a period of years? Did you have like any kind of a set timelines to observe them over? Or? Uh, so, yeah, so the data uh, started in, let's see, I believe it was like 1998 and went up till like I think 2017 when uh, when we kind of started the study. Uh, so we we had a pretty good window of time, uh, about 20 years. Um, so we were able to then track uh, these individuals um, if they turned 18 or during this this time window over you know 15 to 20 years of of their adult life. Then see like what subsequently happened to people who grew up without finance versus people who grew up with finance, and we found really striking differences that persisted even for people who uh, who grew up on reservations, uh, even for people who moved away from these kind of original environments that they grew up. Um, and we sort of found that these differences persisted for like into their thirties. And so it was, it was pretty, pretty striking, uh, striking evidence that these uh, people who grew up without finance were less likely to have a credit report, so indicating they didn't even apply for having a credit card in their adult life, um, less likely to, uh, to uh, more likely to have delinquencies, they had lower credit scores. Uh, and and we sort of did a back of the envelope calculation. It was costing them if they for the people who actually eventually got a mortgage, it, they basically were paying five uh, percent more uh, for the for their uh, mortgage payments on a monthly basis. I also noticed in some of the news about um, the uh, research, as you were saying a minute ago, that it can be pretty damaging for things like credit and getting a credit card. Would that limit to them um, to only things like cash or other forms of currency or? Uh, yeah, no, I think like if you, if you think of kind of what's left, uh, you, you'd have to sort of budget things with cash. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the first order things is that if you don't have a bank nearby, you know, how do you save? Uh, this wasn't something that we could look at with the, with the credit bureau information, but I, I imagine that it'd be sort of an interesting uh, direction to take things uh, just outside of our data frame. Um, but, but I think, but I think like you're thinking about people who grow up in a bank desert, they sort of grow up without uh, having um, having experienced what it means to have a, have a bank account um, to sort of use sort of transactional technologies like credit cards. And these, these things open up uh, access to bigger, uh, more impactful uh, financial uh, outcomes like, uh, like getting a mortgage. Uh, and it's really difficult to buy a house unless you actually can borrow Would it also make it harder for um, adults who grew up without financial institutions to learn um, the workings of financial institutions later in life? Should they become involved? Yeah, so and this was this was something that we also explored in our in our study uh, is that we did after we had the initial results from the credit bureau data, uh, we 
decided that we needed a little bit more insight into sort of why it is that they were sort of developing their credit their credit histories in this way. Uh, so what we did is we conducted a pretty uh, pretty comprehensive survey of Native Americans. Uh, we partnered with Qualtrics uh, to do this. And uh, through the Qualtrics survey, we surveyed them on uh, attitudes toward banking, uh, financial literacy, and uh, just a whole bunch of other other things like attitudes toward risk and ambiguity. Uh, we found that like a lot of things didn't matter, um, but the the one thing that did matter, and it mattered in kind of the quote right way, uh, was financial literacy. Uh, so there are these sort of you can you can go out online say big five financial literacy questions uh, there are five questions that you can sort of use to gauge your own financial literacy and we asked these five questions because these were standard but one thing that we observed was that these these questions like three of them had to do with things that you could learn uh, when uh, working with a bank and having a bank account and two of them uh, had had to do with things that you probably wouldn't learn uh, if you interacted with a bank so like things like is it a good idea to uh, diversify your stock or what is what is a bond you're not going to learn that from from banking but you might learn something about compound interest uh, what we found was there was actually no response uh, on financial literacy that wasn't bank specific but on the three questions where it, you might actually learn it from a bank if you just kind of look at the questions um, they, they we saw actually a pretty striking response uh, so we think that that's part of the mechanism of what's what's going on we also saw that people trusted uh, banks more they grew up near banks uh, and that that was uh, that was an important uh, an important factor and we think it kind of interacts with this financial literacy channel as well um, I'm kind of curious about the uh, trust part that you mentioned. Do you feel like sometimes growing up without institutions leads to distrust or just simply that trust is a little more strengthened if you grew up with them? You know, I think it's, I think it's probably more strengthened with your experience. You know, you tend to trust things with which you have sort of more experience. Um, I mean, I don't have sort of hard evidence, but I think that's way, uh, on, on that point, like why it is the trust. Uh, but, I, but I do think that that uh, you know, just kind of self-reflecting, uh, that the the, to- the type of thing that uh, you're going to trust is something that that you sort of know how it works because because you've done it. And I, we, I, I think this this sort of looks like learning by doing in kind of a banking context, which uh, I, I I felt resonated pretty nicely with with like the way that that we sort of develop our our knowledge uh, about how the world works. All right. Um, so in the while looking through your research, did you find any uh, anything that surprised you or struck you as out of the ordinary? Yeah, you know, I think uh, just the the thing that was striking to me was just how long these uh, these uh, sort of effects matter. So growing up without finance uh, ends up affecting you for for kind of up to up to a decade. Um, it's I mean I think that that's. It, like how persistent and how important it is to have good early experiences with finance. Um, I, I thought it would matter, but I, I thought it would be something that would, would kind of fade over time as you gain kind of your experiences through life. Uh, but we found that this uh, this persisted over over the long haul. Uh, and uh, I, I think that was the one thing that I updated um, kind of my beliefs about the world more uh, from doing the research than, than anything was just how important your, your early experiences are. Okay. Do you feel like there's anything after conducting this research that um, we could do to 
work to fix these issues, or do you feel like there's any way that they can be that these issues can be aided? Um, you know, I, I think kind of at the at the margin, I, I think uh, there are a couple of lessons. Uh, one is that we can learn uh, good financial behaviors by doing them, um, and so uh, it's it, it sort of doesn't it doesn't necessarily diminish sort of in classroom financial literacy. They have a lot of programs out there that that sort of suggest that that we should have classes on financial literacy. But like it's but that's kind of a hard hard way to connect these lessons. Um, I, I think a lot of I mean, I, through doing this research, I've talked with people at credit unions. Uh, a lot of what credit unions do uh, is is exactly this: is they try to they try to help educate their their members by giving them exposure to uh, financial products that can help their lives. Uh, I, I think uh, kind of the more that we um, that we kind of encourage these institutions to be in our communities, um, the more they can do their work to help people uh, engage with financial products in a way that can help them help them live better lives. Um, do you feel like there is anything that you would want to tell our listeners when it comes to financial literacy or financial knowledge that they could be doing now? Um, is there anything that you think that more younger people or college-age students should be doing as they prepare to enter um, adult life? Well, I think um, one of the things that, that comes through, uh, and you know, it's standard advice, is that build, there's building a credit history early on. Um, it, there's really never too early to start that. Um, when when you think about, uh, you might think that like getting a mortgage uh, when when you're 25, if say you're you're 19 or 20, uh, that just seems like a ways off. And maybe in the year or two before, you can kind of prepare prepare yourself for that. You know, but it takes a long time to develop a, a, a deep credit history. So getting getting a credit card early on and making sure you make uh, make regular payments and pay down the, the entire balance, not overextending yourself early on with these financial products, uh, can be really invaluable for, uh, for, uh, for really these, these kind of big financial decisions that you make later. Uh, but like it's, it's sort of like building, building a house. You can't, uh, you can't build the house all at once. You have to lay the foundation. And I think that uh, sort of where you start sort of early in life uh, helps, helps lay that foundation in a nice way. Is there anything else you think our listeners should know about the research, about um, your studies, anything else that you found? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think we've covered everything that, um, that I think is first order. I mean, I think uh, if, if you're sort of interested in sort of digging into the paper, um, that, that would be exciting uh, as well. But like, I mean, I think we, we definitely go through kind of all the, all the nuances in the paper for academic rigor, but, um, but you know, number one lesson is that you know, your, uh, your early experiences with finance matter quite a bit, um, and they matter more, more than you might think. Um, so sort of taking care to make sure that you have good early experiences with finance, even, even if they're small ones, I think is, is, is worthwhile. And for those of our listeners who might be interested in looking more into this research, um, where can it be found? Uh, so the paper uh, is, is called Growing Up Without Finance. If you uh, just do a search for Growing Up Without Finance on Google, it should bring you to a couple of links. Um, I think if you're on a university campus, you should be able to access the published version, uh, which is at the Journal of Financial Economics. It came out in December. Um, 
but if uh, if you're kind of off campus, there's this place where we posted the last working paper version, which is pretty similar uh, as well. All right, Tony, thank you for uh, coming down to talk to us today. All right, thank you. Really right. appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Tony. All right. Thanks. Thanks.